So, welcome everybody to a new show of the Solar Journey. And today, as a guest, we have Alexandra Münzer from uh, Greenfact. Hello, Alexandra. Hi, Thorsten. So, before we get started on Greenfact and uh, what Greenfact is doing, um, I would like to introduce uh, Alexandra, just give a, a quick background information. So Alexandra Münzer, she's uh, actually born in Austria. Um, where did you actually grow up? Is it is like uh, your, your big city girl or country girl uh, in the Alps or in the flat? Uh, yeah, both. 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 Everywhere, including on farms in the city, but actually all uh, Salzburg in Austria. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, Salzburg, most, uh, at least most Germans associate that with uh, classical music. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Did you get a classical music education? Um, I mean, we've been a lot in Salzburg in uh, theaters and okay. uh, operas and such. So that's lifestyle there. Okay. Excellent. Yeah. Good. So, um, but uh, for her, um, for university, she went to Munich from Austria to Munich to Germany, where she lived for 10 years. Um, um, she got a PhD in uh, physics and science. Um, yeah, she worked on, uh, in the semiconductor area. And uh, in 2016, she moved to Norway. And uh, now she has been managing director of GreenFact for four years. And uh, GreenFact, just as a Quick intro, um, but more details will follow later. It's a market, market and analysis and consulting company for green commodities with focus on uh, certificates of origin for renewable energies. Um, yeah, but uh, before we move into that, just just let me let us please share where um, what you did during your PhD. Um, that's pretty interesting because I think then you made a big move and it's interesting to to get to know mm -hmm. those uh, two aspects of you. Yeah, exactly. No, that was definitely a big move from uh, from semiconductor sensor physics to um, to the renewables or the energy markets. Yeah. <laughs> um, an unexpected move as well. So uh, PhD, Technische Universität München, that was the university and it was a really excellent time. We learned a lot there. And um, what I focused in was sen developing sensors uh, mm. at some point. So that means you take a novel material like carbon nanotubes, you take a polymer, for instance, like it was PTHT back then. And then you yeah. uh, have this materials uh, 1d 2d semiconductors and then what was the job was to try to sense or to detect um, proteins or molecules with that novel type of sensor so um, yes very different from what i do now wow so really high-end high-tech uh, semi semi stuff um, and to do a phd you must have gotten really into the details but that didn't keep you in that area. Um, so at some point you must have decided, let me go to Norway and uh, move to the renewable sector. How did, the, how did that all come about? Well, I think um, 
sometimes you know just life happens as it wants to happen so that was uh, nothing planned and also i think um, after many of us so people that are listening now being at university or doing their phds or their postdocs and they don't know what to do is simply because they don't know what's out there <laughs> so uh, it's impossible to know because the world out there is even bigger than what you did uh, or what you're doing now probably so I just took the, you know, just took the plans, traveled or moved to another country for private reasons. And um, I was looking for opportunities and I was looking for a job and I just did not know what to do. And then with the more or less a coincidence, uh, I um, got to know the company. Greenfact was just founded and they were looking for analysts back then. I started as an analyst there. A couple of months later, I became the managing director. And um, that opened so much from my, I've never been in touch with the electricity or the energy or the power sector or commodity or whatnot. I did not even know why is that important or is there any value or yeah, is there any intelligence in that? I did not know what a market is and uh, what that is for. So I'm starting really from scratch. And that um, I have to say after now four years, that was quite a ride because that universe of the power sector that has like everything in it. So, I mean, from geopolitics until, uh, till, you know, really understanding market dynamics. Um, and also now we have this shift, of course, from the fossil based energy sector to the renewables so you have i mean this is really what excites me the most you see a whole infrastructure you see a whole continent being morphed into something completely new and you're a part of it and this is great wow yeah we'll, we'll come to that um that that sounds indeed um uh, pretty interesting and, and the way you talk about it means uh it's, it's actually bigger than uh, i would have ever thought right so that sounds really um uh interesting but let's jump quickly back. And now you live in Oslo, right? So Greenfact is based in Oslo in Norway. Yes. So, uh, so you grew up in uh, Austria, then you lived in, uh, in Munich for some time. So how is life for you now in, in, in Oslo, Norway? I, I've been to Oslo. I like the city a lot, but you now it's different if you go there as a, as a tourist. Um, um, I remember particularly the, the city hall of, uh, of Oslo. I loved it. It was the super impressive city hall everybody who goes to oslo should definitely go and see the city hall mm. uh, it's uh, it's more like a museum and uh let's say a, a temple um a temple. wonderful place yeah and nicely oh. located right at the at the waterfront yeah uh, norwegians would love to hear that <laughs> um, maybe someone's listening <laughs> yeah they're for sure listening um Yes, I would say life in Norway, very, very different lifestyle. So you're choosing a whole different lifestyle when, if you're used to a uh, German lifestyle or UK lifestyle or French lifestyle, it's really different. So um, Oslo, probably in many countries, wouldn't be considered a city. So you really have uh, short, short ways and it's very uh, nice to live here. It's really directly at the fjord. So you can see the boats. Basically, I walk at the, uh, out of the office and I see the ocean. So that's beautiful. But actually, the most beautiful part of uh, Norway is, it comes to, you know, normal life is that actually this country is full of forests, full of fjords, full of water. So really, if you do appreciate the outdoors lifestyle, this is for you. I mean, you can ski in the winter, you can do what is sailing in the summer. So this is the 
probably one of the most beautiful countries on, on this planet. So the Nordics are really beautiful, like Canada or, you know, really remote uh, and has different seasons. So that's really beautiful. When it comes to the lifestyle and business life, what I do really appreciate about Norway or let's say smaller countries, Norway, Netherlands and such, they really... Uh, in, the, in Germany, for instance, you are busy with German economy, right? You, there's a very, almost rather, to some extent, a bit closed system. But if you're in a smaller country like this, you travel a lot. You do business a lot with uh, any other countries on, on this planet, basically. Mm-hmm. So this is really exciting when it comes to, you know, um, looking beyond where you live. So we've, uh, uh, yeah, this is probably the, the best part of Norway, I would say. Yeah, interesting. So Jason Natter, who is also uh, part of the, the Solar Journey team, uh, he's, he grew up in, in, uh, in Singapore. So he says yeah. the same thing, right? So uh, right from the start, you're always looking to the, onto the international picture, right? And uh, I mean, Germany is not gigantic, but, uh, but still, obviously, as you, as you say, And I would uh, confirm that um, you're easily busy with yourself within the nation rather than uh, have that international view right, on, on, on business, on, on economics. Interesting point. Yeah. Yeah, of course, what I also remember about Oslo is all the, the high number of uh, Teslas running around in the, on the streets, right? So that was also pretty impressive for me. Already a few years back, I don't know, maybe four years back, right? So it was uh, for me as a... All about solar guy um wonderful to yeah. see cool so um let's get started on the tough bits um and the reason why i say that because is i did try to understand what uh <laughs> guarantees of origin green certificates are all about and um and uh you're the super expert and uh, some other members of the industry told me You're the considered as the mother of the European certificates of origin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I'm not that old. They're older than me. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Obviously, that means uh, you've got it all, right? You've got it all. And if somebody um, has a question on it, then uh, you're the go-to person. Oh, um, yeah. But as from our previous talks, we understood that um, actually um, this is a real expert topic, right? And uh, the challenge now is for us to, uh, to find out a uh, explanation which a five-year-old could understand. So maybe let's start at the, at the very beginning, right? Before um, we go into um, the, the, the second uh, deri- derivative of, um, of all that. How, how, what's, how did it all come into place? Who, it's, it's not a physical product, a guarantee of origin. Um, It's a uh, man-made uh, concept. How did it all get started? Mm. Yeah, well, as far as I, I understand that, and <laughs> yeah, I hope that, yeah, many people in process maybe also uh, listen to this, so forgive me if I say anything wrong. But um, so back in the days before we, both of us, were concerned with electricity or power markets or whatnot, um, Uh, there was a situation that you as a, you just got, you did not bother about your electricity bill. You, there was electricity monopoly, a monopoly basically. And uh, you did not choose. There was one big supplier in your area and that's where you got your electricity from. And um, 
at the turn of the, the century, basically, starting with the, the 2000s, I, I suppose, um, the electricity market, maybe even a bit before that, um, was liberalized in most with the EU, basically. And um, that means the people, uh, businesses and, and households, they should have the, the choice uh, to make the markets more competitive. You know, they should choose which electricity supplier they, they can use. And they should use and then came basically this renewable energy transition and uh, uh, the EU and everyone wanted to have more um, renewables in the energy mix so um, no more coal no more nuclear or less nuclear and uh, more wind solar and hydro and, and whatnot right so and then this started with the with the EU basically so they said I mean, now we have to go back to this, why, why you need the certificates markets or the geo markets for that, which is like an accounting system, sort of like a data bank and has nothing to do with the physical reality, so to say, but it has something to do. So why do we need it? And then we need to explain really like to children, because otherwise I, I don't even understand that because as you can imagine, I, I, I explained, uh, to you that before like if you live if you have your farm i don't know remote canada alaska whatnot and you are not connected to the grid the so-called off-gridder where you get your electricity from you probably i mean nowadays you might, might have your rooftop solar or you have your small windmill next uh, yeah next to your house and then you know whatever electricity you get it's green right so that's the super simplified picture um, but in reality, what happens is that we all live in, most of us live in cities or we connected to the electricity grid. That means in this electricity grid, um, all the electricity that is generated, all the electrons that are generated by the power plants are fed in one grid. And you can imagine this sort of like big pool or the ocean of electricity. And um, so, and since electrons, um, you cannot see, they don't have a color, you cannot uh, distinguish if that electron was uh, generated by a wind farm or by a nuclear power plant or by a coal power plant. So what you end up with is a pool uh, of mixed electricity. Um, and now, so now we know this pool of electricity. And um, the thing is, if you, for instance, live you say you live in a town or in a city and you have a house there and you get electricity and the next um, power plant that is close to your home, maybe you can even see it, you see the next coal power plant, you see the next nuclear power plant uh, or whatnot. And then the electricity by law, it always takes the path of least resistance. That means even if a wind farm exists, maybe uh, 100 kilometers more far away from, from you, but the coal power plant is closest to you, you will get per law this, uh, the, the, um, the electrons from the coal power plant. Yeah. So in what, you want to ask something now? That, that, that's a, a, a natural law, right? So it's not a, like a, a legislation, no, yeah. but the natural law, like a physics, exactly. physics, yeah. Okay, yeah. Just <laughs> wanted to make sure we, yeah. Of course, <laughs> I was talking about physics here. Yeah. Um, so let's say you, 
you live there, you get your electricity, the physical one from, uh, from the next coal power plant. And then you see a commercial on TV or you adjust, you really love renewable energy and you want to support that. You don't even want, not only want to support it, you want to have a reduced carbon footprint. You know, you're just like a person like uh, you and me probably, you want to, you change something maybe. And you see this, I don't know, there are many companies now that sell um, green electricity and you see that commercial there and you want to switch and it's easy to switch nowadays. A few clicks away and then you, you have your new tariff. But, and then you think a bit because you saw that or you heard, listened to that podcast and Alex tells you, no, law of physics actually gives you the dirty stuff. So, and how is that possible now that your electricity supplier is allowed or can tell you that you get green electricity? And this is now by this abstract means of guarantees of origin in Europe. And um, so how it works, <laughs> should I explain that? Or do you want to stop me at that point? Ah, that, that's good. So, um, and the the certificate and the guarantee of origin is that the same thing? Because it's a two terms yeah. for the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just want to confuse you even more. Because um, <laughs> uh, we already had internal discussions. If that's something else or the same thing. All right. So, green certificates uh, and guarantees no. of origin are the same. Yeah, they're almost. Good. No, yeah, no. It's good that we talk about it. So, because there is indeed confusion with terminology, because. Yeah. In the European Energy Directive, this is uh -huh. called guarantee of origin. Yeah. Okay. In short, that's the go. That's uh, the go. Yeah. yeah. And but the similar system exists in in other continents, like the US, and they call it RECS. And then you have the Renewable Energy Certificate System. Ah, and right. uh, yeah, so this is getting really complicated. And there are different types of sub certificates. They have different names. So, uh, and for different commodities, so stuff gets really complicated when it comes to um, the, the name you give to it. But for the guarantee of origin for the electricity market that I'm talking about, the GO, guarantee of origin, is the correct term. Sometimes I call this just a certificate or renewable energy attributes, but okay. um, yeah. All right. Um, and so this is something... Um, brought into action by the European Union. Is it correct? Correct. So in, in Brussels, it was decided we want to have guarantees of origin. Um, and that's that's how this, this whole scheme came into place. Who, who takes part in it? Is it just really full members of the EU or is it like also uh, associate members? Like I mean, Norway is a associate member. So I guess they also part of the scheme. Um, um, yes, per EU directive, every member state has to have a guarantee of origin system in place. So, and they have to have an issuing body in uh, for that. So, a responsible body. That means in in Germany, that's the Umweltbundesamt, for instance. Okay. Um, and, but if you're sort of in this, as you call them, associated states, you can choose to be part of this more or less. I mean, yeah, but. You have other states that are part of that too, like um, Iceland and, and Norway. Okay. And uh, a certificate, in good old days, this would have been a piece of paper. Um, I guess now it's something, an electronic, whatever, uh, file or what is it? Is it, how, how do you, how do you we transact? Electronic document, yes. It's a piece of paper in a virtual sense. <laughs> 
So you have this document, this data file, where you have um, information about the electricity generation. So let's say you, you own a wind farm, you produce, I don't know, 300 gigawatt hours of electricity in, in a year. And you just produced one megawatt hour. That's a smaller unit, okay? And for each megawatt hour of the electricity you produced, you're allowed to generate one of the geos. One okay. geo. So one megawatt hour is one geo. Exactly. And now, it, for example, if I produce it in Germany, then the Umweltbundesamt, that's the environmental um, authority um, here in Germany, then they would issue me what a PDF, which says, here you go, you've got one go. Or how does it work? Yeah, I think oh, it's, it's a, not a it's, it's in a database, right? I guess it's, it's a, in a database, exactly. So I have, and it's just an electronic concept, I guess, right? It's an electronic concept. So basically what they issue that for me, so it's actually not the the HKNR, the Herkunftsnachweisregister, it's a registry that okay. does that for you. Uh, in Dessau. All right, close to Leipzig, where I live, right? Yes, yeah. yes. Um, and those guys, they make this file for you, basically. And it gives you, okay, it states, for instance, it's wind. It's, it's produced in this time period, so this month, for instance, in this year. And it will expire one year later. So that if no one wants it, then it's deleted. And, um, and if a consumer wants to have it, let's say you buy a green electricity tariff and your electricity supplier has to use it and has to cancel it, that means it's taken out of the circulation. And this electronic certificate, maybe someone in Switzerland wants to have a German hydro, yeah? And then they import it to Switzerland, for instance. Or maybe the Germans really love to have Norwegian hydro or uh, Swedish wind production. And then this, this certificate is sort of from them transferred to Germany and used in Germany. Okay. So now I am, let's assume I'm a, I have a big wind farm. So I have produced uh, one megawatt hour in the last month. So I get that certificate. Mm -hmm. And then... Uh, it is uh, in the database in Dessau. And do I get money for it or do I have to pay money for it? Is there a already value transaction if I have produced it or is it just... Uh... No, producing does not bring you anything. It brings you costs because you have to pay the registry for a small uh, fee. All right, so I have to pay a fee to get it registered. The, the 1GO. It's a, it's a service. You want the, the, the registry in Dessau also needs some money, but it's a very right. small fee. Okay. It's a very small fee. Okay. Is it a fixed fee yeah. or is it a, depends on the... No, it's a fixed fee. You can look that up in, in their website. You get basically, usually the account costs per year, very small uh, amount of money. And then per each transaction that you make, if you transfer that, I think you also pay very small. Okay. But that's, that's the cost of it. But of course you generate revenue from that. Otherwise you would not do it, right? So of course now if that guy in Switzerland wants to have that German uh, wind megawatt, he mm -hmm. is going to give me money or what, where, where does he transfer the money to? Um, that depends on how you interpret <laughs> All right. I know. And it also... Yeah. I, I, let's and, and explore let's the depends. Yeah. 
and we have to be a bit cleaner. German yeah. wind, usually you get in German, you have really a special case. So I'm sorry for that. Torsten. All right, then let's, where should I move so it becomes more simple? Yeah, yeah, let's assume you have a, you are allowed to issue German wind. I don't, I will not uh, elaborate on that speciality here in okay. the German market. All right, all right. Let's simplify <laughs> Germany. Uh, Simplified Germany, say they're yeah. German wind, and someone wants to have that stuff in um, in Switzerland. Yeah. Okay, and you as a producer, you have different ways to sell that stuff. You can, um, you can. Let's say there is a Swiss utility, a Swiss uh, uh, electricity supplier. They can buy that stuff from you directly. They can call you. They say, mm -hmm. hey, do you have some wind left, Gio? And then you sell it to them. Okay, that's how it works. Okay, and then I call the Umweltbundesamt and say, hey, uh, please issue those five GOs to them? Or no? no, they would not pick up the phone, unfortunately. Okay. Um, how this works, thanks to databases, is that the guy in Switzerland, he has an account too okay. in his registry. And he transfers that certificate from Germany to Switzerland. So that works online. And then in Switzerland for his customer, he, he cancels this. So he takes it out of the loop. In, sorry, hang on, he takes it. No, yeah, no, it, if, it's transferred from Germany to Switzerland. So he's got five GOs more than before, right? Exactly, but yeah. if he has, because you, the, the Swiss electricity supply, he wants to use it for his customer, right? Okay, if he resells it, like uh, as a, if he, the utility, the Swiss utility sells the, the five megawatt hours or so five GOs to uh, his end customers, then he has to take it out of his registry. He has to so called cancel. That's the terminology. He has to cancel it, redeem it. Mm -hmm. That means, um, so the purpose of that, then they are fixed to this customer. And that's why this customer, maybe a Swiss guy like you, Torsten in Switzerland, yeah. wants to use green electricity. And then he has his, with the GO, he has his green electricity and is taken out of the loop. Why? Because let's say in Germany, there's Torsten in Germany. And he also wants that same from the wind farm, yeah. but this is not here. Cheating is not allowed. That's why um, okay. you cannot use this certificate for one client here and for one client there. That's impossible. You only can use it once. And that's very important rule. Okay. Now, so this only works in a, in a market where there needs to be physical So it's, it's, it works within Europe. And it works within Europe because the whole of Europe is connected with, uh, um, what do you call them? Electricity. What? Grid. Grid. Because it's all connected in the in a single grid, right? Or could yeah. could it do, could you have the case where there's a, I don't know, a small island in Norway produces electricity like hell, and uh, it doesn't feed it into the European grid, and you could still generate those geos over there, and then. Okay, you're you're smart because we do have that um, that thing. Yeah. So actually, when it comes to my personal opinion, um, when do those kind of certificates make sense? Not only we have the electricity market, we also have, for instance, the natural gas market. We have the same. We have a gas grid. Yeah. 
So every time you have a commodity, basically, you feed into the pool where you cannot distinguish if it's dirty, if it's clean. Yeah? Yeah. Then it makes you need the tracking system, uh, this accounting system, the guarantee of origin, so that the consumer is not cheated. He knows what electricity he consumes. That's your right, yeah. right? You mm. want to know. You have to know. And so then it makes sense. But the EU says, okay, every member state um, has to have the geo system, okay? And then we have the special case of Iceland. And in Iceland, um, we do not have a grid connection to the continent. All right, so, okay. Yeah. And, um, but they're in, in this guarantees of origin system. And here comes... Um, Already something that happens quite a lot in this market that you there is some controversial, you know, worldviews clash. Yeah. Because you, of course, you can say um, Iceland, they import stuff, you know, it might, it might not be electricity, but they are boats with other commodities going back and forth and they are produced with electricity. So it's not a totally autark system. But from an electricity perspective, there is no interconnector and Iceland mm. does issue guarantees of origin and those guarantees of origin you are allowed to use in countries. But here comes the thing. In some countries, they say, no, Austria, my home country, they say, no, Iceland, we don't take, there is no grid connection. That's against our law, basically. Mm -hmm. um, and, and what happens then with these Icelandic GOs is that there is a the price of guarantees of origin usually depends on, you know, supply and demand. It, dep it depends on um, where does the GO come from? So what's the country of origin? And it depends on the um, yeah, country of origin, technology and, and, and so forth. But what happens then with Icelandic GOs is those are usually the cheapest because many countries don't Nobody want them. Buys them. Yeah. You want to buy them? Little demand, yeah. little demand, low price. Yeah. Exactly. And that's that's one of the, the interesting market dynamics that you see here. I mean, I've been in Iceland. I know many of the producers there and they're doing mm. a fantastic job. Um, but that's a controversy. However, you want to see that. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. And in a way, I mean, the since the uh, the go is like a, it's an extra cost, right? So uh, for the green electricity, you it's an extra certificate, it, extra costs involved, there's fees involved, there's people involved. Um, so it makes actually the green electricity more expensive, is it correct, right? I mean, it's, it's on top of the... Jein, mm, jein. Um, yes, no. <laughs> yeah, I... Um, so... Usually, let's let's say you have the situation where it costs as a producer. Let's say you have a, a coal power plant. You can produce electricity very cheaply. Okay, with the coal, let's assume there. Let's assume no taxes and stuff, and you just yeah. buy the coal cheap from wherever you dig it out on out of the ground and blah. Yeah. And it costs much more actually to develop a proper, let's say, solar farm or let's say the costs for your uh, the fossil generation actually let's say it's cheaper i don't know what's the current uh, it's uh, not anymore but uh, yeah, maybe yeah let's, let's where they come that. Yeah, yeah yeah um and so you sort of as a producer then you sort of 
how do you get the costs back, right? And that's one of the thinkings. Uh, you actually you have a you actually generate more value for society, right? You yeah. generate the good stuff, yeah. and you want to be able to market it. If yeah. you just sell the electricity for the normal power prices in the market, you just get electricity prices. So you have to be uh, uh, competitive with uh, the fossil prices. Mm. That how it. That's why we had all these feed-in tariffs, right? To yeah. to yeah, to incentivize the market uh, to get it started. Yeah, exactly. And then, of course, the to be able to market the green attribute, mm -hmm. the greenness. Of your electricity yeah you need the guarantee of origin okay and this is now when the feed-in tariff runs uh, runs out also in in germany sure, and, yeah. and this feed-in tariff area is is over yeah? yeah and um how can you you really how do you generate value for you as a producer you make a long-term power purchase agreement and you and it's a green power purchase agreement mm. if you want to sell this green this needs obviously to con contain guarantees of origin because that's the only way it's it's green yeah. by law by eu law not physical law yeah yeah cool yeah so um Another thing that comes to my mind, because it's, I mean, the GO is the, it's a one megawatt hour, right? So it's a, you count the electrons, the, the watt hours at the power plant, right? So, no? Okay. Yeah, so, because I was thinking if it's at the power plant and then you have transmission losses, then what? I mean, even three, four, five percent, let's say it's even 0.5 percent, which is a lot loss, means that somehow there's, a small margin where it's unclear what's gonna what happened to the produced GO, right? There's the GOs actually should actually also be reduced because if you have to transport it a long way, you have yeah, to include the transmission losses. But but you, you go, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's a smart point that you made. I I I, I realized that. So what? Um, it's actually the electricity that you feed into the grid. Okay, yeah. so that means it's the grid electricity that uh, that is um, that gets the geo. So it's not yeah. if you yeah. Um, but transmission losses, to my understanding, are not taken into account. All right, because it's it's actually I think it, it can be depending on the side. It can be a two-digit percentage, right, of of transmission loss, which means yeah, then yeah. Uh, somehow there is a, a a gap in the system. There uh, I don't know if gap, there's there are too many other gaps. So the system, if you look, um, this is not even one of the main problems. And uh, oh, wow. yeah. the 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 thing is, at the moment, the situation, and it always looked. The last time I checked the graph, it always looked like this. You have, if you look at the yearly basis, you compare how many GOs are generated, okay, yeah. and you compare it with how many are used. So are cancelled, and what you see oh, yeah, is yeah. that always more are uh, generated than cancelled. You have a huge oversupply due to uh, different factors. We might discuss them later. I don't know, yeah. um, but because we have this, we are not we are not there yet. And I, when it comes to probably the understanding also, and the system has some some flaws, I, I would say <laughs> flaws, but it's a moving target, it's all the time improved. Um, but not every, 
there are not not ma I mean there are so many companies that don't that they don't run on green electricity. There are so many households that don't even know that they can switch their electricity suppliers. So there's a it's not used that much. Okay, so, so yeah, maybe five hundred fifty terawatt hours per year or so. So what's the percentage uh, of the geos which is which is sold used in, in, on a yearly basis? Do you have a rough figure? Is is it 50%, uh, is it 90% or is it 95%? No, let me think. Um, we have about generated GOs per year. We have about 600 terawatt hours. Okay. okay. And used, we are about a 550. Okay. So uh, we are 50 terawatt hours at least long, I think. Okay. So, and this is a lot because in that's, Germany, every year, Germany consumes about easily 100, over 100 terawatt hours of geos. Mm -hmm. So basically, Germany is, Germany is already the biggest consumer. And 50 uh, terawatt hours is quite a lot if you look at it like that. Because yeah. which country consumes that much? Yeah. 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 Interesting. So who's the, the typical user of those geos? Is it like... Um, for example, me who is using, I, I'm, for example, I'm a customer of Naturstrom. Um, yes. Do you know them? It's, they've been around for, for some time. Naturstrom, yes, yes, I do know them. Yeah, they're, so, uh, yeah. So uh, do they also use that geo system or do they have their own system? Or So is, is every green electricity, let's say, in well, sold, does it also always work with the geo or are there other schemes? No, it's uh, only GOs, so Naturstrom and Lichtblick and uh, you name them, uh, they have to, that's by, uh, by not the physical law, but the uh, legal law. They have to no. <laughs> but it can be, it depends really, I don't know the situation in Naturstrom, but um, it can be, for instance, maybe they have, let's say they have their own assets. Let's say they yeah. have their own hydropower plant, right? Yeah, they but have a lot of own assets. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but still they have to, this power plant needs to generate GOs and they have to cancel GOs on your behalf because you're consuming that electricity. Um, so you're not, um, yeah, they have to do it. All right. So they produce them and cancel them themselves. So they, they do, yeah, it goes forth and back. And I guess they can't guarantee, I do get electricity 24 seven. Um, so I assume they also need to uh, buy uh, electricity for the, for winter or day night uh, for night times so they at least they they compensate the 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 lack of electricity at certain points in time with those geos right so for them it's also because mm -hmm. otherwise they wouldn't couldn't sell me a green electricity 24 7 uh or for the whole year yeah i mean because they don't have storage as far as I know. Right? You're probably a very special person, but Naturstrom does not think about you like this. Um, for Naturstrom, they have, a let's say, a pool of um, many, many thousands of households. And what they do, I think, yeah, please, Naturstrom, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, what they do is they average, they know about all of their households. They know what's, what, how much they're consuming on an annual basis, let's say, or on yeah. a quarterly basis. Yeah. yeah, and then 
they will cancel this amount of guarantees of origin. They don't think about how much electricity do you use at night or uh, during midday or when okay, you are. Okay, so that's not relevant. Okay. Yeah. No. Yeah. Right. Good. And um, so, where uh, the EU implemented that uh, GO scheme um, to uh, to promote green electricity, and they uh, basically they created that scheme for the GO to see that extra value, right? To, to create that extra the value no. in the green nope no uh, they ah. created it in order to give the consumer a choice in order to give to Thorsten in Switzerland a choice and to give Thorsten in uh, Germany a choice yeah. because um, you should be able to choose your electricity supplier or the tariff that you uh, have according to different parameters is it green do you want to have the cheap dirty or do you have the cheap green or do you have the yeah. premium green right you should yeah. have the choice and that's why the tracking system was created in order to enable the consumer to see on the bill that you have on your yeah. annual bill it needs to be disclosed by yeah. by eu law yeah um that uh, you have all the transparency about the electricity that you consume and that was the purpose of the guarantees of origin it was not to create extra revenue yeah for okay. that they had been tariffs okay okay right um so it's just for the let's say liberalization of the electricity market is it also used for um not only for the greenness of the electricity but also for the you know i'm i'm buying no, I can. I could have my neighbor, for example. He uses. Uh, uh, he he's with a Munich-based uh, electricity company. Ob obviously, he doesn't get the electricity from Munich or from those plants around Munich. Is it also based for for that scheme that it's not only about the greenness, but also it's just the origin, like the physical origin? Or is it only used for the trading of those of the green? The green attribute. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, good question. It's also one information that's also on that thing is um, the country of origin and the location. Okay. You know the asset if you want to know it, okay? Okay. Um, so that means there is, and that's why prices from different countries are a bit different. So actually German hydro always trades at the premium. It's more, a little bit more expensive than Norwegian hydro because... Germany likes to have their own stuff. You like uh -huh. to have your own stuff. Okay. And uh, the most expensive is in the Netherlands. They're always much more expensive than the rest because they even want it more. <laughs> they want really <laughs> local, really, this... really local Dutch wind. And the Dutch wind and solar, they really love. And you can sell this tariff even more expensive. There are some other factors in the Netherlands uh, that also push a bit their renewables production when it comes uh -huh. Renewables, uh, yeah, use when it comes to geos, yeah. but there is a local factor, a local flavor on that. Yeah, interesting. So, what, what's the typical price for a geo? Let's talk about the. Yeah, let, let's stick to the. What's the cheapest? I mean, you talked about the Iceland geo, which is very cheap, and uh, let's go then go to the Germany and the Netherlands since we talked about these. Yeah, you have so, a rough, rough. Oh, yeah, yeah, I have uh, detailed as well. <laughs> 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 but when it comes to price, it's a bit depressing. Yeah. Look, what happened actually, let's say there we have this benchmark product. Benchmark yeah. is Nordic Hydro, Norwegian Hydro, because it's just the most, it, uh, in all the geos that are there, 
it's the most common one because the Norwegians have a lot of hydro production. Yeah. Okay. And that means this is the most liquid, most traded product. And um, so that's the benchmark. And if you we look just at the benchmark price now, I elaborate a bit what the difference is later. Look at the benchmark, what happened since in the last 10 years, maybe uh, 15 years. What happens? Prices were really bad and really low. So we are, um, we are thinking 10 to 25 or 10 to 23 cents, euro cents per megawatt hour. Okay. Nothing. Mm. And this is really important to know if you, I don't know what's the average, um, the average consumption of a household. Is it three megawatt hour per year or something? Um, like, and that means an average household needs to be green. You need three GOs per year. And if it costs 10 cents, it costs you actually 30 cents, okay? On the wholesale market. So we're talking wholesale market prices. That's really different. Um, in theory, if you, if you would have access to the wholesale market as a household, you can be green for nothing. Okay, then we had low, low prices. And then what happened? It happened Fukushima. Okay, so we had the big explosion nuclear thing in Japan. And this is when Merkel said, uh, we are leaving nuclear. And then um, this, of course, everyone was much more, all of a sudden people have become more aware about the electricity they consume. And then you can see a nice little spike here. Lasted about for a year. <laughs> until people forgot about it again mm. so and then what happened many years a flat low price curve and then what we saw end of 2017 beginning 2018 that the prices went crazy actually in 2018 we had prices of two euros per megawatt hour for the benchmark product and we had eight euros per megawatt hour for Dutch wind. So Holland wind. It's and just the best wind. It's just the best wind. Yeah. It's the best wind on this planet. This beautiful offshore wind farms. I, I mean, pretty. And anyways, then we had this big price increase because there was also reasons for that couple of reasons, but probably it was this very hot summer, if you can remember. Mm. So there was a really little hydro production in Norway. So supply, I told you prices, supply, demand, supply went down and prices went up. So we had the two euros benchmark product. And since then it fell and fell and fell and fell. And we now, I think at 15 cents again per the megawatt hour. And it's unbelievable. Mm. Yes. What, what are the implications of this? It's uh... that the producers are not happy right now. <laughs> The producers are not happy about now. So there's little incentive now to produce in a green electricity in a green way. That, that's what it means, right? Yeah, it's a bit uh, difficult, I would say, because um, the thing is, feed inter is running out now. Yeah. So people, even though you just said renewables become much, much more competitive and you're really there at the moment when it comes to the electricity market, you have the technology and you can produce it. But electricity in general is extremely cheap at the moment, also due to Corona, of course, because there is just uh, much less demand if all the, I don't know, car manufacturers shut their operations down. Mm. And um, what you have there, if you're, in, in Germany, you got wind uh, feed in tariff for 20 years, right? And you are like a 
let's say you have the windmill that was built 20 years ago. It has not the latest technology of today. So um, you have to think, and now your feed-in tariff runs out. And um, you would love to see prices of GOs for five euros because that's what you actually need in order to compensate for the, the lack of your feed-in tariff. And now the prices are 15 cents. So what you're doing as a producer, you probably, or as an asset owner, you're probably thinking, should I, uh, what should I do with my asset now? <laughs> and uh, that has many implications. So yeah. the, the best scenario for renewables actually would be that the system gets a bit, a bit more polished so that it works better, so that the prices, the market gets more mature, it's more traded, and that there is some additional revenue for asset owners, for producers of renewable energy, because it is good to consume renewables, because we all, we don't want to have what we have now or 20 years back. We don't want to get the dirty stuff. We want to get the clean stuff. You know? yeah. I mean, one advantage of those old solar wind farms is that they have been fully depreciated, right? So um, you don't have the, let's say, capex. So you really run on, uh, you have the O&M, but the wind and the sun shines for free, right? Yeah, that's for so, free. That's so that's a good part, but uh, okay, so uh, incentive is low. What are, what would be, do you have uh, ideas how the, the system could be polished? You use that term, optimized. Oh yeah, Ooh, many, 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 um, many, many. Some are more political, some are less political. So we just had this conference two days ago, talking with all the industry experts, and of course, uh, we had our we make our own market survey every year. So we see the industry what they think, and there comes like standardization, harmonization. Full disclosure, I don't go into the details, it takes too long to explain, but what happens actually, the EU, the law comes from the EU, right? And in member states, Germany, uh, Switzerland, uh, yeah, Sweden, uh, Austria and such, they all, um, they all have their little differences. It makes it a bit hard. So it should be more harmonized, for instance, but much more concretely, actually, and that's the political political thing, um, and that's my personal opinion here, <laughs> um, what needs to happen? We, I, we talked about um, Iceland, we talked about a bit about Norway. So we have the situation, imagine Norway, that's, a, I mean, now I'm much cl very close to Norway, I'm sitting, <laughs> sitting here in Oslo, right? So I see what happens. So the thing is, you as a um, normal person in Norway, you walk, you drive into the forest, you drive into the mountains, and what you see is one hydropower plant after the other. And then he knows that from the law of physics, he gets that electricity, right? His electricity is very perfectly green. Yeah. And uh, the thing is, why should he switch to a green electricity tariff when if the tariff that he already gets is is per se green, right? And there we have this typical Norwegian problem. What happens then is that there is no intrinsic, or not much, it's growing, but it's not much. There is an intrin uh, low intrinsic demand from Norwegians to cancel, to use GOs. So what happens is that they export it stuff. And where do they export it? To Germany, because the German guy, he drives through the country and he sees a mix. 
he sees there are different sources of electricity. So for him, it makes sense to buy, um, to switch to a green supplier, for instance, to Naturstrom. Um, but it does not make sense for the Norwegian. So there we have one big, I would say, probably one of the most crucial flaws in, the, in that system, because of course the European Union, they have targets together. You know, we want to build uh, the renewables together and some countries lagging behind and some are more advanced and such. But in, in general, we have our targets to be the first carbon neutral continent actually in 2050. So there is a reason why but it is as it is. But in fact, in, in the market reality, it does. there are some things that don't work quite well. And this one is the Norwegian example. How to improve it is the question. There are many approaches for that, uh, if, what you can think of. I would personally probably, my personal way of improving that would be, I would cancel GOs for the European electricity consumption. So then everyone can, in, in Norway can say that they are green. The companies can say that they are green. The households can say they are green by EU law. And then what is not needed and what is exported to other, uh, can be exported to other countries. Because otherwise something like this ideological double claiming happens because in a Norwegian company that gets their physical electricity from a hydropower plant, um, they know that it's it's green, but on the book it's not green. Uh, so, so that could be an improvement of the system. Yeah. So by by nature it's green, but uh, let's say on a economics legal basis it's not green, right? And there we have a disconnect between. And for humans, if you're not an expert and if you have not listened to the show, then you you just don't know, right? I mean, it's too com. I I didn't know, right? I didn't know. Um, so it's 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 yeah it's uh, interesting. So uh, you you mentioned the EU Green Deal, right? And um, there's another concept. Is it different? But the CO two prices, right? Um, for example, this is now in discussion at least in Germany. I don't know about other countries. That um, I think you have to pay. I don't know something like twenty euros per ton of CO two or something for if you use that, right? So this would make, let's say, uh, coal electricity more expensive. Like it's a more like a penalty, right? It's a, and that sounds like a different scheme than the GO system, right? Yeah, yeah. the carbon, there are also carbon certificates. So the carbon scheme yeah. is very, uh, is different uh, from the GO scheme. So GO, yeah, and there are many angles to approach that. <laughs> um, so there's also CO2 certificates. So we have uh, all right. Oh uh, uh, yeah, don't go. Don't don't, don't go there. Go, how do they come? How do they interact with the GOs? Yeah, good question. <laughs> good question. But I can maybe set um, put that there are many angles here, and it's yeah. extremely complex. But um, it's uh, maybe from one angle. From the corporate angle, corporation, you're a big company. I don't know, yeah. you're Google. You're Google, Thorsten. Yeah. I'm Google, excellent. Um, and uh, so when it comes to reducing your carbon emissions as a corporation, what possibilities do you have? You have, and where do GOs come into this picture? So um, you have different types of emissions. You have scope one emissions, you have scope two emissions, you have scope three emissions. So, 
yeah, now I knew, I know. Uh, <laughs> scope one would be, let's say that's the direct emissions. If you have, I don't know, as Google, you don't have that, but uh, let's assume you have a small, small coal power plant and there it comes to In, direct. Inside my factory, right? On my inside, campus. I don't know where you have that, but let's assume you're dirty Google. And then you have the, the carbon stuff and the emissions going out, that's direct emissions. And there are scope two emissions. It could that's be, for example, Google could have a diesel generator on the server bank for, yeah. for, as a backup, right? So if they have to turn that on, that's the internal. Uh, don't, uh, we don't, uh, this thought experiment really is very flawed and that's my fault, but the okay. scope two emissions, um, yeah. they're important for Google because they're big time electricity consumer, right? Yeah. And the scope two emissions in order, that's the indirect emissions that come from your purchase of your electricity. Okay. Yeah. So if Google would be dirty, which they are not at all, um, they would buy cheap this possible electricity from cold power, whatever, and don't care. But what they're actually doing is power purchase agreements, green power purchase agreements. They are in, um, they're building assets and they they of course in this process they're canceling guarantees of origin so one part of your emissions basically can be reduced can be set to zero even um, by uh, engaging in the in the geo markets in using green electricity mm. and uh, that's 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 one part i mean guarantees of origin will be there also for your gas consumption in case you're you are a car producer or you're a chemical company and you're using a, lo a lot of natural gas. Yeah. It's, uh, from next year onwards, there will be even guarantees of origin for biogas. That yeah. means you can then substitute your natural gas with the clean stuff. Yeah. So um, that's all sort of plays into the emissions. And you, you need that GO system, the certificate system to really prove and track so that nothing can go wrong. And you really actually, this continent is in fact decarbonizing and not doing something crazy. Mm. So um, yeah, but this is such a big topic. So we could talk another five hours about it. Yeah. And, and scope three, just a he the header. What is scope three? Ah, yeah, the scope three. Emissions. Yeah, the Google, uh, the programmers there, they're sitting in the whatever in the offices or now in the home office, but if they would sit in the offices without Corona, then they would need to come to work and use a car and use a transport. And okay. that's a sort of emissions that are really hard to, it's sort of out of control of a normal employer, right? So yeah. it's other emissions but you can do some nice little offsetting there with some other voluntary carbon certificates okay. but that's the whole new world okay well, just to get it right good so um so we have um uh, goals uh, guarantees of origin we have co2 certificates which we don't want to uh start the no. big discussion now but that's another scheme we have in place for let's say help the help to go green and then we uh, now in discussion is the the co2 pricing is it correct these are three different independent schemes right uh the co2 pricing uh, i mean there is the so-called eu ets scheme uh -huh. um, EU ETS. And it's, a, it's a obligatory a mandatory carbon market so if you're actually purchasing 
carbon emission allowances and there is trade and disallowances and that's an obligatory market and you have the voluntary carbon market and you have the green certificate market so um yeah just to say carbon price going up it's not uh, that easy and i'm also i have to say i'm not the expert on the carbon field okay yeah wow so uh it's very big and uh if you are a company um for you with the green deal this will get extremely uh, become extremely extremely important because um you will have to report uh from next year onwards and of next year your in your annual uh statement in your annual report you will have to report your sustainability actions and now um there will be a big shift from companies that have to actually start really really dive into that subject matter and to understand their emissions and what is in line with taxonomy what is in, in line with green deal what does it mean to be sustainable uh, to be sustainable and this as we we already touched we only touched upon one one tiny little aspect of that and it's it's gigantic and it's complex and but the fun part of this is if we are through this in 2050 the world does, will not look anymore as it looks today so this yeah. is really the fascinating part of it yeah cool cool hey um thanks a lot for this this uh let's say initial <laughs> introduction to the whole to all these schemes um i personally learned a lot um we haven't talked a lot about uh green fact um which i, I appreciate a lot that you I really uh, took the chance to give a, as a, a general uh, lecture, but do talk about green fact. What do you, what, what do you, how do you make money? What, what's your, what's your business model in, in that area? Mm, business model, I would say we, uh, we have maybe two different things, three different things. One is we have a, a website, a platform with price information, particularly mm -hmm. for guarantees of origin, some other certificates, but we don't go there as well. Um, but why is it important? Because let's say utilities, um, electricity suppliers, companies, bigger companies that use that stuff or that really actively engage in the market since there is not much price transparency. We actually provided price transparency. So we show them what it really costs yeah. and why. Why is it like this? Okay. So, so it's business intelligence. And, and how do you get your information? How do you get the numbers from those transactions? Yeah, yeah. we have data partners. So that means uh, we have one big uh, broker uh, company and some other smaller ones that uh, team up with us and they give us their prices and we report on that prices so that means either we have a connection to their system or they report let's say via an excel sheet and um, then we we post it basically on a daily basis so you can see you can log in and then you can see prices okay. there and you can see market news and such yeah yeah so how, how big is green fact how many people work for green fact yes it's people yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. And your customers are basically big, what utilities or and consumers, like big companies who need to have the, who want to go green. Like yeah, is Google a customer of yours? No, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> they just they just announced they want to go uh, 
take the next step, right? So they basically are in a way carbon neutral, but I guess they uh, they understood the scheme and now they understand they are sort of fish mm -hmm. green. And now they want to take yeah, the they next step. They really actions. know what they're doing. They're so big. I mean, I uh, and they have this power purchase agreement, long-term agreements. I don't know if they really, but if, if it's the case, Google, um, if you need to look into the market on a daily basis, let me know, I can help you. But um, they're, our standard clients are energy market participants on the producers. We have uh, cons um, utilities, electricity suppliers. We have traders in the market and service providers. So everyone mm -hmm. who has to engage with the market on a very, very regular basis. Yeah. And um, also bigger companies. So car companies, some of them, and chemical companies that are really, that are high on the sustainability you know, that are really have an aggressive agenda there. They know that they are not competitive anymore if they don't, if they are not green, if they don't do their homework. Oh, wow. Okay. And um, so that's the part of the transparency pricing. But we obviously from a, when it comes to consulting, if there is a company or a utility or a producer and they need, uh, they, they, they want to, uh, understand one particular market and what the, what are the drivers there and because I already touched upon it this field is so big rules are a bit different in every country mm. and to understand sometimes you know it requires resources so we write bespoke reports we give workshops we teach them that stuff so they don't have to you know learn everything by themselves because as we discuss it it takes sometimes years um and then we of course we dive into new markets right now and mo really really excited of everything that is uh biogases at the moment biofuels because i um what the interesting thing about this sector we're talking about decarbonate decarbonization towards 2050 the thing is there is one sector that has still emission emissions above 1990 levels and that's the transport sector so um this is really high on the agenda when it comes to decarbonizing this continent so we have we will see a total shift from natural gas consumption to biogas consumption and then we're all of a sudden talking about biomethane we're talking about hydrogen and all the green gases and what do they need? They need a nice guarantees of origin system for that. It will come next year. And this is what I will be busy with uh, in the next 10 years, probably. Yeah, with a high level of uh, complexity and the legislation and uh, international, like the so many countries involved, um, uh, it looks like you're not going to run out of business. <laughs> no. Uh, fantastic, Alexandra. Um, I, as you mentioned, we could keep on going. I must say, my uh, I'm brain dead. It uh, took me. <laughs> <laughs> it was so challenging to uh, um, to dive into this uh, the scheme. Um, um, so I guess we should stop here before I fall fall apart. No, um, no, sorry. sorry. <laughs> Sorry for killing you. We can do this. We can repeat it at some other point and uh, talk yeah, about uh, yeah, let me digest that. And uh, I would hope maybe you're interested in coming back onto the show. And, and there's so much um, dynamics in the sector. And uh, I can tell, I can feel, I can understand that this area we talked about is super fundamental uh, to bring the energy transition forward, right? Because this is where the, the economics, the, the, the value transaction, the money, 
transaction occurs. Yeah. Um, final question. In a way, we touched it already, right? Um, but um, what do you think? What really needs to happen to, to let's say, at least to really accelerate the transition, right? Um, you, you talked about 2050, and many say this is way too slow, right? Um, with the complexity and with the number of, let's say, only talk about Europe, right? I mean, this is we, actually the topic should be the whole world, but only about Europe. This is so complex because so there's so much legis legislation obviously involved. How can we accelerate it, right? And uh, maybe um, help the, the whole world go green? Hmm. Uh, there it's, it's big. There are many things that you can do. This morning, what I thought about, I, I was thinking about this 2050 thing and uh, I was thinking um, that there, you know, I was never a green person or anything, never in my life. Now I am, um, because I thought, oh, these do-gooders and they're just talking and posting stuff on Facebook and I don't care and they don't do anything. What, um, I think, um, what, what will happen from also the people in the sector or from the people that are coming now, all the young people that mm. are coming like uh, new people in my team and such what 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 happens and what i can see and what uh, needs to happen in the in the next years is um, those people even if they have a green agenda what what do they need to they need to come into the markets they need to understand how it's functioning and you saw it's complex they need to understand why it is as it is all the factors they need to um have the vision until 20, 30, 40, 50, I mean, it takes some time, um, wh what, how they want it. And then um, along this way, when they are morphing the old stuff into the new stuff, the world will be completely different in a couple of years. And um, they have to generate a value. They will create jobs, a lot of jobs from engineering jobs to market jobs to podcast jobs i don't know so a lot of jobs and a lot of value will be created a lot of money will uh, change uh, hands and um, will be in the sector so um, so a deep understanding of the problems that we have and and then from there you create the the new the new thing the exciting yeah. thing and um, yeah yeah, wonderful final words. I th I th and this is also the reason why we uh, do this podcast, right? To, just to show also um, many people who are interested in doing something good, something sustainable, something something green, that there's plenty of job opportunities, right? There's plenty of problems and problems means there's, uh, there's uh, opportunities for solutions and uh, business. Excellent ending, Alexander. Thanks a lot. That was super interesting. Um, um, all the best for you in uh, in your home country and all the best for for green fact right um thank you it was yeah. it was really nice thank you yeah thanks alexander